And it is good to be coming to you this morning from just south of Deport, Texas. And uh, I'm Brother Brandon Teague, and you're listening to Faith Baptist Church broadcast on the Old Paths broadcast here on Blog Talk Radio. And however you found us, even though uh, we broadcast on Blog Talk, a lot of times people pick us up in other places. Uh, on Facebook, we're, we're there on our Faith, Faith Baptist Church page, our Old Paths broadcast page, and on my page, Brandon Teague. You can find us at either one of those places this afternoon. You can find the message and listen to it in its entirety. Also, you should be able to, by this evening, be able to find it on YouTube, and it is there. You can just type in my name, Brandon Teague, T-E-A-G-U-E, and you should be able to find all the sermons in this series, which started back, I don't even remember when it started, to be honest with you. It started a while back, because we are on we are on part 130, which means there have been at least 130 sermons preached on this subject since we began. And the name of this subject is Getting to Know Jesus. And like I said, we are in part 130, and we are taking a walk with the Lord, because he said, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Come, go to work with me, and find out who I am. Spend time with me every day. Watch me work. Hear me talk. See, see me have compassion. Follow me. Do what I do, and I'll, give, I'll be your strength. I'll lift the load. I'll give you what you need to accomplish it, and we'll do it together. That's how God truly wants us to come and be with him. Here on this earth, while we are here on this earth in this body, and we're to serve Him, that's exactly the plan that God has for us. So, as we look at this today, again, I don't think it's—I don't think it would be a bad idea to realize what has happened over the last couple weeks. And uh, last week, where were we at? We were in Mark chapter ten, and. Uh, <clears throat> We looked back last week to the week before where Jesus was uh, rebuking his disciples for telling, uh, for, for, for not, for, he, actually the disciples were scolding some uh, parents who brought their young children to Jesus while he's there uh, in Judah. And, and he's, it makes Jesus very upset. Jesus was highly displeased, greatly displeased the disciples, and he scolded them, and he said, "You suffer those little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about how children are dependent. Children are totally dependent, uh, and they know how to trust. They know how to depend. They know how to believe. They know how to follow. And Jesus was, and the whole, the whole context of it was that, that you had religious big shots, you had important men, the upper crust of society, who who they they necessarily didn't want to follow Jesus, but they wanted to find out. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be uh, they wanted to be there and be a part of whatever was going on. And while most of them hated him, they still you saw they invited him to eat with them. He, they were looking for an opportunity, but he was very popular. They looked for an opportunity to bring him down, but Jesus was very popular as far as, as people wanting to hear what he had to say. Even if they didn't like him, they still wanted to hear what he had to say. 
And uh, so he's in the midst of all that, these children, again, he's saying, don't you keep those kids away from me. Let them come. They want to hear what I have to say. They are looking forward to me talking to them and and sharing with them my compassion, my love, and everything that I have to offer. Okay? So he's talking about being dependent on him, on dependent upon God. Whereas the grown-ups in that crowd, the, the, the so-called wise elders of religion, they, they felt as though they didn't need anything. And to give us the example of what I'm talking about there, we only have to look at what I talked about last week, which was the rich young ruler who came up immediately after this scene with the children. And the rich young ruler, he came and he, he was telling Christ that, you know, he said, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was looking to do something that he could have eternal life. Not that Christ would do something, but that he would do something. And, and then he tried to tell Jesus what a good person he was. And no doubt he probably was a pretty good person. But he still, he was trying to impress Jesus with all his qualifications. And he was trying to say, look, look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look at, look at me. Look at what I've done. In other words, instead of being a follower, he wanted to be independent and say, okay, what else do I have to do that I can have eternal life? So you have two different viewpoints. You have the one of dependence, depending on God, and you have the other of independence. And we remember that he went away grieved. Why? Because he couldn't get in line with Jesus showed him. He said, you know, this man was rich. He had a lot of goods. And Jesus said, one thing thou lackest, sell what thou hast, give to the poor, and come follow me. And the, and the man, he couldn't do it because he, was, he cared more about his things than he cared about his soul. And he was too independent of God. So we saw independence and dependence. And we're going to bring that together this morning as we turn to Matthew chapter 20. And we see Jesus right after that teaching a parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And we've already prayed this morning. but we And, and listener, we've prayed for you as well. Pray that God will speak to your heart and work in you today. So let's look this morning. We're going to read verses 1 of chapter 20 of Matthew. So turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 20, and we'll read verses 1 through 16 this morning. I'll give you just a moment to find that. But uh, can I just say to you this morning that God doesn't need anything? God doesn't need anything. You get that in your mind before we start. Let's read. The Bible says here in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 and following, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when the even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the steward, 
Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when he, they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way, and I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Father, I pray you add the blessing to the reading of your word this morning. I pray you'd take the message, Lord, and work in our hearts and lives today. Father, I just pray, Lord, that, that you'll just allow me to be a vessel for you today. Pour me out. Fill me up and pour me out for Jesus' sake. Please speak to our hearts now in Christ's name. Amen. Again, I said earlier, God does not need anything. He does not need anything. God is perfect. Right? He's perfect. There's nothing missing with God. God didn't need man. I want you to understand that. Before, before God said, let there be light, before, before ever an angel in heaven stirred a wing and did anything, before anything happened in this universe that God created, before it was ever a universe, God had everything he needed. God didn't have to create man. God didn't have to create the world. He didn't have to do anything to be sufficient. God didn't have to do anything to be happy. God was just fine the way he was before he made this world and everything in it. Okay? I want you to understand something. God doesn't need any single one of us. He does not need us. If we never lived, if we never lived and breathed on this earth, if our life was not a memory in anybody's mind, this world would continue on just as it has without us. We are not that important. Okay? I want you to get that through your head. You say, well, you're making me feel special today. Well, I'm not trying to make you feel special. I'm trying to make you understand the way things really are. You say, well, you're beating me down. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to knock you off your high horse and get you on level ground with all the rest of us. If it's bothering you what I'm saying, it may be that you're up a little bit higher than you ought to be. I want you to understand, God doesn't need you. Okay? There are people out there, there are preachers out there this morning who think they are something else. They think they are the best orator. They can get up and speak, and people just listen and, and hang on every word, and they think, boy, God couldn't do without me. I can tell you right now, God has done without them, and God will do without them. There are singers who think I have the most beautiful voice, and, and, and it just sends chills up people's spine when I sing for God, and God just couldn't do without me. God can do without you. He has and he will. God is independent. God doesn't need anything. 
man is not independent. I'm going to tell you, if you, anybody thinks man is independent, just watch us when we come into this world. And just watch us right before we go out of this world. And all the way in the middle, we have times where we've got to have help. Nearly every day, there's something comes along where we need help. God has never needed help. And I want to say to you, if God doesn't use you, and I'm, I'm talking to Christians this morning, if God doesn't use you, it's not his loss at all. It's yours. Because, you see, if, if, if God doesn't, if God chooses not to use us, it's not going to make him any difference. It's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh upon us. I want to read a scripture this morning. Psalm chapter 50. I'll, I'll turn there and read it real quick. Psalm chapter 50. I've got it marked. Psalm chapter 50, verses 9 through 12. Again, like I said, God doesn't need you. He doesn't need anything we have. He said, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine in the fullness thereof. God owns everything. He doesn't need anything. So what I want us to understand is this. We're here to serve God. I want to make that plain. We are here to serve God. And you say, well, but, but you said God doesn't need us. Again, I agree. God doesn't need us. But we need him. And we're here to serve him for us, not for him. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, we're, yes, we're to do it for him. He's to be the motive. But it's not for him because, again, he could get by without us. What we're doing it for is for reward when we get to see him. We're doing it so that when we get there, we've done it because we love him. And he will reward us accordingly. But the truth of it is, if we fail to have the right perspective in life, if we fail to learn, look at me this morning, if we fail to learn our place in God's kingdom, if we fail to learn just how little importance we have compared to him, if we don't see things from that viewpoint, we're never going to serve God the way we should unless we understand just who we are and where we are. We'll never do it successfully. We'll always think we're more important than we are. And the Bible tells us that no man ought to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Everybody. Listen, God loves every child that he has. God pours his favor out on every child that he has. God doesn't, God doesn't place favorites. God looks, listen, God's not a respecter of persons. The Bible tells us that. Amen? So, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the right order must be followed in our life. We have got to if we plan to be a success for God at all. So let's look at this this morning. Let's look, look at our passage and, and see what we can glean from it. First thing I want to see in this is how did, how did the Lord go out in this story? I mean, of course, the, the, the man who's the householder represents God in the story. Are we listening? Pay attention this morning. The householder represents God. The men who are hired represent a child of God, okay? So 
The Bible says, for the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus, again, he's telling, a, he's telling an earthly story to teach us a heavenly truth. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder. Well, what does that mean? That means he had a house. He had a, he had, he had a parcel of land. And evidently, he had a vineyard on that land. All right? He went out early in the morning. How did he go out? He went out early in the morning. I'm going to guess that he went out about 6 o'clock in the morning. The Jewish day is a 12-hour day. It starts at 6 in the morning. It ends at 6 in the evening. So when it says that he went out early in the morning, all right, how did he go out early? All right, then look at verse 3. The Bible says that he went out about the third hour. So he went out a second time. What's the third hour? It would be 9 o'clock in the morning, all right? And then the Bible says in verse 5, again, he went out about the sixth hour. Well, sixth hour is going to be what? That's going to be at noon. And then it says he went out about the ninth hour. That's going to be about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then the Bible says in verse 6, and about the eleventh hour he went out. The eleventh hour is going to be 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So the Lord went out. One, two, three, four, five times to hire laborers. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see in this. The desire, the impulse in man to serve God doesn't come from man. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what? I think I'm going to serve God. So a person gets saved. A person, a person comes to Christ. They realize they need to be born again. They realize they're a lost sinner, and they get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and they follow the Lord and believers' baptism. And oftentimes they do nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. Very, very little for God for the remainder of their days until they die. So many people that happens to. Not a single one of them wakes up one day and decides, I'm going to serve God. I want you to realize that. God, in this story, shows us that. The, the householder went out to the laborers. The householder went out and called the laborers to work in the vineyard. The laborers did not come to the householder's house, knock upon his door and say, hey, I see you got a vineyard out there. Do you think you could use some help? Nobody in this story did that. That's because God comes to us where we are. God gives us the desire to serve him, okay? Nobody asks for a job. <clears throat> and, and so let me encourage you today. If you have a desire to serve God, don't discount that desire. If God's laid something on your heart, pursue it. Because God has given you that desire. It doesn't come from anywhere else. The world does not create a desire in us. We may see somebody else serving God, and you may say, well, they just, they just he, he or she's just serving God because they see other people doing it. No, God used that other person to create a desire within you to serve him. Again, it doesn't come from anywhere else but God. Okay? I noticed this, too, about these men. They're all standing around. They're doing nothing. There's a vineyard that needs to be worked. But these men are not wise enough in their own self to realize that the work ought to be done, and so they don't go seek to work in it. 
it's there. The grapes are on the, are, are hanging on the vine. They're ready. They're swelled up. They're about to burst, but nobody takes any initiative to do it on their own. So again, we have a world full of Christians who are saved. They're sitting on the church pew. They're sitting, they're soaking, and they're souring. They're doing nothing for God while the vineyard's out there and the grapes are going bad, hanging on the vine. People need to go to work for God. It's the truth. When God speaks to us, we need to respond. When God gives us that desire, we need to do it. Let me say to you this. God moves at different times. God moves in different seasons. God moves in different ways. But God always moves in agreement with his word. He'll never do something that goes outside his word. He'll never call a woman to stand behind a pulpit and pastor a church. God will never. They, I, I've heard people say, well, I, you know, I just feel like women ought to preach. There's, there's some nonsense going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. With, with, uh, I want to say it's, it's either the head of the convention's wife or one of them. I can't remember what her name is. I just saw an article on it. But she's claiming that, that women ought to be able to be pastors now. And, and I'm telling you right now, God doesn't give desires outside his word. If he gives, if somebody comes up with something that they want to serve God and they're out of proper order, well, listen, that desire didn't come from God. God only works according to his word, and he always works by grace. God always gives us the power to do what he's called us to do. If God calls you, God will equip you. That's why he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God expects us to work, but God says it's not going to be hard because I'm going to do the hard part. I'm just expecting you to go with me. It'll be easy and light on you. The work is on me, but go with me and do the work. All right? Like I said, God moves in different ways. God moves at different times. God calls men at different seasons of their life. <clears throat> Some are called, and, and, and by the way, when we look at let's. Let's, let's go back and let's think about this. The Lord went out early at 6, he went out at 9, he went out at 12, he went out at 3, and he went out at 5. Let's compare this to the span of a man's life. Let's, let's just kind of figure out uh, what we're talking about this, uh, what we're talking about here. Um, so, so Okay, God calls some men when they're young. I'll give you an example of that. Brother Dwayne Moore, who, who came and preached for us years ago, out of Georgia. God called him when he was a very young man. I want to say he was saved at nine and he called, was called to preach by 13, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he was saved as a very young man. By 13 years of age, God had called him to preach and he said there was a young pastor about 19 years of age who was just, he said he was just dumb enough to give him the chance to preach. But uh, he began preaching in that church and pretty soon he was called to do revival meetings. He was 13 years of age and he's going here, there, and yonder to preach uh three-night and week-long revivals. God was using him at a very, very, very young age. And, and so, I mean, who are we to decide? I mean, God, God called Samuel when he was just a little boy, right? God called David when he was a young man. God calls men at all points in their life. But, yeah, Dwayne Moore, he's, he's in his 50s now. He's been going since he was 13. God used him in a mighty and powerful way. And uh, he's doing a tremendous work. God has used him. But then again, he doesn't, the call doesn't reach 
men sometimes till later on. I mean, I was 27 years of age before I realized that God was calling me to preach. I wish like everything in me, I had heard that call at 13 like like Dwayne Moore did. I wish I had not wasted my youth. I wish I had not given the years of my best strength to the devil because I did. I wasted that, and I can't ever reclaim that time. But God has called me, and I responded to that call, though I responded it to it later on in life at 27. And then others, others he calls later on in life. And they might not have near as long a window of service as I had. I can, I can give you the example of uh, Brother Phil Queen, the first church that I ever pastored, Lane's Chapel Baptist Church in Clarksville, Texas, outside of Clarksville, Texas. Uh, when I got there, it was because Brother Phil Queen had to step down after a year of preaching. He'd surrendered to preach. He was in his late 50s. He surrendered to preach, and uh, he'd only been preaching about six months when he found out he had a, he had a big tumor in his stomach. And uh, he preached for a year before he had to resign because the cancer had uh, gone so far, and he passed away. And he only preached a year. But I, I know in, I, in my heart that God used that man, and he had a purpose, and he used him. So, again, the Lord went out. The Lord is the one who called. The Lord is the one who drew. The Lord is the one who empowers. It's not us. Again, God doesn't need us. We need him. So God comes to us because we don't know. We ain't got enough sense to go to work for him. God comes to you and says to you, it's time. Get up and do something for me. He puts the desire in the child of God's heart. So let's look. Number two, what time is it? Again, we talked about, we talked about the different times of the day. We can guess. We can, I mean, we can kind of estimate and say, you know, when he talks about 6 a.m. or early in the morning, that's, that's anywhere from, from the age of understanding to 24 years of age. That's somewhere in that window, that early part of life. And then we can see 9 a.m., that's 25 to 35 or on to 40, somewhere right, right around in there. And then, and then noon being, being 40 to, to 55 or something like that. And then, and then 3 being later on up into the late 60s. And then, and then 5 o'clock being from... I mean, the Bible says the days of a man are three score and ten, and, you know, everything after that's a blessing. So we can look at that five as the last part. I mean, God, God's saying he calls people at all stages. He uses people at all stages of life. That's what I want you to see this morning. So so what if God calls you when you're young, but you don't respond? And you waste it. Well, you've wasted some of the most powerful time you could be serving God. I, you know, I, I think about that sometimes. You know, the one he calls in the morning. Sometimes he'll call somebody in the morning with their, hand, their hands are full. They can't go right now. They've got their hands full of their own business. They've got their hands full of their own affairs. They're not through having fun yet. They want to. They still want to be a kid. They still want to play. They still want to uh, do their own thing. Well, let me ask you a question: Is that is that being dependent on God, or is that being independent? That's being independent, right? And you know what? Independence is saying to God, God, I don't need to serve you right now. I don't have time for you right now. I would rather do my thing right now. And when I get older. Then I'll serve you. 
Well, first of all, you're thumbing your nose at God. Second of all, you're wasting your strength. You're wasting your testimony, and you're wasting your time. You're wasting the best hours of the day. Listen, I, 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 nobody, I don't think anybody who's a teenager likes to get up early. Or a young man. I don't know of anybody. I didn't like to get up early when I was young. But the truth of it is, now that I'm a grown man, I realize those are the best working hours of the day. You're fresh. Your mind's clear. You get up and you and you and you get it while the sun's still still low in the sky and the heat's not bearing down on you. There's still dew on everything. Everything's fresh. It's just like the world saying, "Come get me, come and take care of business today." And if we don't take care of that time that God has entrusted us with, you will never, ever get it back. You can't recoup your time. Once it's lost, it's lost forever. And I want to say this morning that I have, that I have regretted, regretted with deep, deep anguish and regret, throwing away all those years of my teenage life, all those years in my 20s that I just wasted. I wish so bad I could go back now. And take them and give them to Jesus and say, Lord, this belongs to you because it did belong to him. But yet during that time, I was was trying to please me. I was trying to, to fulfill my own goals, fulfill my own fleshly desires, and I didn't give God what he deserved. And I regret it. I regret it so bad. I'm going to tell you, if God calls you, if God lays it on your heart, don't, don't fight God. You can't win. He, he, he bought you. He paid for you. I try to tell people this all the time. If you're a Christian, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, it costs, it costs the most precious thing ever for you. You cost the most precious price ever paid for because it cost Jesus Christ his life's blood. His life, his, cost his very life upon Calvary. He died for you. He gave his all. I mean, there was nothing left. He closed his eyes in death. He extinguished his own life for you. He gave it all. And yet, some of us are like, well, I, I just don't, I, I don't want to do that right now. I got other things going on. God help us. I mean, that's God we're talking about. That's not just somebody. It's not just a friend you're letting down. And, and yet, again, somebody might say, well, you just said God don't need me. Yes, but you don't realize what you're throwing away. You don't realize how precious your moments are. You don't realize how precious your years are. You don't realize that that now is the time. Now is the time when God can do something with you. Now, and you'll never get now back. Let me just say to you this morning, we got to fight against laziness. These men were idle. Do you see that? When a householder came out, he walked out into the marketplace, and they were just standing around, picking their fingernails, watching people walk up down the street. They weren't they weren't busy trying to do something. They weren't even whittling for crying out loud. They could have been sitting there trying to make something for somebody. They could have done something. They were just standing there idle, doing nothing. And I hate to break it to folks, but the older you get, the more idleness creeps in. There ain't nothing more comforting when you get older than to sit down. I listen, I, I work all day long so I can sit down. I get tired. I stand up all day long. I want to sit down. 
But if you're not careful, you know what they say. Bodies in motion tend to stay in motion. Bodies at rest tend to stay at rest. And we've got to be careful about idleness because if we get too used to sitting down, we'll stay down and we won't do anything. And days will pass and weeks and months and years. And one day we'll get up and we'll look back and we'll say, where'd my life go? Are you listening over there? Look up at me. Listen, where'd my life go? While I was trying to sleep in church. Where'd my life go? It just slipped away from me. And now I can't get it back. So, listen, we need to make sure we're not wasting anything. We need to make sure that we're not being lazy with our life. And, and listen, God give us every precious moment we have. Every single day is a gift from God. Every breath, every heartbeat is a gift from God. He doesn't owe us anything. God never owed us a single thing. Everything he's given us has been a gift. I believe that's why the Bible says every good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God's never given us a bad gift ever. Everything he's ever done has been out of love and been out of mercy and out of his grace. So we need to make sure we're not just being uh, careless and, 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 and wasteful with what God has given us and lazy with what God has given us. Let me tell you this too. Satan is ready, and he's waiting with temptation to stop you. Satan knows God wants to use you. Satan knows God, God calling you. Satan can see that. He hears you come out of your mouth. You know, God, uh, God called you, but Satan hears you say, well, I, you know, I'd like to do something for God. I'd like to serve him. Well, Satan's waiting, and he knows what tempts you. And as soon as you set out to do something for God, Satan's going to throw temptation right across the road like, a, like one of those strips to flatten a tire that the cops throw out when the criminal's on a escape runaway on a high-speed chase. They'll throw them strips across the road and pop them tires. Well, Satan's got a, one, of them, one of them strips he's thrown across your road too. It's called temptation. And he will try his best to get you to take a detour and forget what God's called you to do. He'll do it with all kinds of lust, and he'll do it as hard as he has to to get you off track. But I tell you what Satan likes better than anything else. He just likes you to sit down and do nothing. There's an old saying, we all know it, idle hands do the devil's business. When we sit around and do nothing, the devil will find something to get us busy. He'll find more trouble. He'll find more, more mischief than you ever dreamed possible to get you in, just to keep you distracted. I, I, I think about the times when I've been out doing some work around the church and I'd see a couple of Mormons coming down the sidewalk and I've often I've called them over and acted dumb and pretended like I was really interested in what they had to say and stood there and listened to them for 45 minutes and at the end of it said, well, thank you guys for coming by. I just wanted to waste your time so you wouldn't have time to corrupt these people on this block. I mean, listen, that's how Satan wants... I mean, I was, I was doing it for good, but that's how Satan wants to do it for evil. He wants to get you distracted, get you caught up in some little sinful thing and get you away from God and get you beat down with guilt and get you feeling like God wouldn't have you for a million years and he wouldn't use you for nothing. He wants to destroy your desire. He wants to put throw water on your fire. He wants to shut you down. 
and he knows how. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. It easily stops us. When we fall into that same old temptation we've fallen into time and time and time again, when we do that, it stops us in our tracks and we hang our heads in shame and we say, Lord, oh, I'm just a miserable wretch and God wouldn't use me. The devil knows that. That's why he does it over and over and over. Something else we need to think about is this. Our time may end abruptly. Our time may end suddenly. There's been a lot of people who said when they were younger, when I get a little bit older, I'll serve God. When I get a little bit older and I get all the play out of my system, I'll serve God. When I get all these things that I'm busy with accomplished, I'll serve God. And that day never came. Their name was in the paper in the obituaries. They, their life came to an abrupt end. They never saw it coming. They didn't know that day they got up would be the day that, that they died. They had no idea. There's young people that die all the time. Our life may end suddenly. So the best thing we can do is serve God now while we have now. The best thing we can do is determine that we're going to live for him now while there's still time. Let me say to you this, too. There's a tremendous work to be done, a tremendous work. In the Bible, Jesus is talking about a vineyard that needs to be cared for. But that vineyard is truly the work of the gospel. That, that vineyard is, 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 is men, women, boys, and girls going out into all the world and sharing the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the vineyard. That's the work. That's the work that God has called every child of God to do. Not, not preach behind a pulpit necessarily, not sit behind a piano, not lead singing, not necessarily teach Sunday school, but to go into all the world and tell them that Jesus died for sinners and Jesus will save their soul. It's a tremendous work, both in importance and in size. Listen, that, that, it's the most important work that could ever be done. Every single person that we come in contact with is going to live forever either in, in bliss or in torment, either in, in e eternal happiness and eternal joy or an eternal horror, an eternal anguish and misery. Every single person that's ever come alive on this earth, ever drawn a breath, will spend eternity in one place or the other, heaven or hell. So there's a tremendous work because every single one of them need to hear that Jesus died for them, that Jesus shed his blood for them. And if they don't know it, they cannot find him. Listen, it takes someone to tell them. And the Bible says, how shall so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God? And the Bible says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And you say, preacher, that's not a pastor. That's someone who proclaims that Jesus died for sinners. If nobody proclaims it, they're not going to hear it and they're not going to be saved. God calls us to go to work in his vineyard. And the size. Jesus said it was like a ripened field of grain. We'll drive by some of these fields out here close to where we live in the summertime, and it's just soybean as far as you can see. Drive by cornfields, and you can see corn forever and ever, or cotton, fields and fields of cotton or wheat. You see it all around us. We live in farm country. 
Jesus said it's like a ripened field of grain. He didn't say it was like it was like muscadine grapes where you had to climb up the side of a tree to get to them, or blackberries where you had to get past the thorns and everything. He didn't compare them to anything like that. No, he says like a ripened field of grain. You can drive down the road and stick your hand out the window if you get close enough and get a handful of ripened grain. I mean, it's hanging over the ditch. I mean, it's you know, it's easy to get. God didn't give us something that was impossible to do or hard to do. It's there. We just have to simply say, Father, I'm not going to be selfish and independent and feeling like I've got my life in, in the palm of my hand. Lord, I'm turning myself over to you because I need you. I need, I'm here for you. I'm put on this earth to be your servant, your child. And I'm wasting my time if I'm not serving you in that capacity. Lord, you've called me to do a tremendous work, an important work. And you've said that you'll work with me and you'll help me. Lord, you've called me. I was just standing around idle doing nothing when you called me. Go to work. Go to work. He'll work with you. Amen? That's another thing we're going to mention. But I want us to look back at the men. And I want you to see what it says about them. They were standing idle in the marketplace. You know a lot of people in this world are just idly. They're just idly. What happens if you just get in your car and just let it idle? You going anywhere? Not a blooming inch, are you? Somebody just sitting at the red light and lights just changed green. They just sitting there idling. What'll happen for long? People behind me blowing all kinds of horns and hollering and waving their, their fingers out the window at them and screaming and everything else. Why? Because they're just sitting there idling, doing nothing. See, we get aggravated at people when they're sitting idle, doing nothing. You, you, you go to work and you just stand around doing nothing and everybody else is working around you and you just stand around idle. Guess what? It won't be long before the boss makes around and says, either you get busy or you're fired. Even men don't like people to just stand around and be idle. Yeah, let a teenager lay in bed all day. Let the parent who's been out working all day come home and find that teenager laying in bed idle doing nothing. I guarantee you, you'll hear all kinds of hollering and carrying on and commotion and, 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 and discipline being handed down and lists being made for the next day. Listen, we don't like people to just stand around and be idle. But people do. They waste their time. They waste their moments. They waste their opportunities. And yet we have people in this world that they're, they're working. They're, they're working furiously, but they're still idle. So what do you mean by that? You ever heard the expression, much ado about nothing? They're wasting their time. There's plenty of Christians, listen, who are working furiously in this world for this world, but they're not doing anything for God. They're wasting their time working and, 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 and listen, it's because their 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 real God is in their back pocket. Their real God is in their purse. It's 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 that billfold, it's that checkbook, it's that pocketbook, and they spend all their time just like the rich young ruler, he trusted in his riches. He was trusting in his own independence. He was trusting in well I've I'm a, I'm a self-made man, so I'm going to continue on being a self-made man. Well, if you're a self-made man, you don't need God. 
And there's a lot of people in this world who think God, again, God needs them. No, God doesn't need you. You need him. I said they're just wasting their time. Listen, if you're if you're if you're serving in a church somewhere, I know I'm not talking to you right here in front of me, but if you're serving in a church somewhere and you're doing it so that people will look at you and think you're important, you are wasting your time. If you're serving in in a church somewhere or serving in some ministry and you're doing it so people will applaud you, you might as well be out picking up cans in the street. That's how important you are. Listen. We're not to do anything for our own glory. We're not to toot our own horn. We're not to be looking for praise and plaques and awards and certificates. Listen, we're, we're to do what we do for the Lord Jesus because he did what he did for us. And that's the only reason we're to do it. We're to do it out of gratitude. We're to do it out of thanks. We're to do it out of a, a heart that says, I love him because he first loved me. Yet there are people who are just wasting their life. Wasting their life, doing nothing for God. And some people are idle because of indecision. They can't make up their mind what to do. I say if God's put something on your heart, pursue it with everything you have. I've waited too long on some things. I've wasted time. This is one that hits me right between the eyes because I have I have let things become... Uh, I wanted to be so sure that I let time pass when I and I've wasted it where I could have where I could have just went forward and let God steer me as I went. I think sometimes we we're too afraid of not doing it perfectly instead of just trusting God and stepping forward. Everybody's ever walked a tightrope, and I've never walked one. Had to take that first step out on that wire. Now, I guarantee you that first step wasn't the best. You know what? It has to be taken. We're to walk by faith, not by sight. We're to step out by faith and say, God, I believe your grace is sufficient. That whatever you call me to do, if I step out by faith, you have the power to guide me. You have the power to control me through it. You have the power to sustain me. And if I make a wrong turn, Lord, you have the, you have the power to correct me and, and get me right my feet right back in the path. Listen, all that's better than us just sitting and doing nothing because we're afraid we couldn't do it just exactly perfect. If God's called you, get busy. And lastly, I'm going to give you my last point. Listen, so what is the work that God would have us to do? I mentioned it earlier, but he said, go ye also into the vineyard. Go ye also into the vineyard. He called these men at 6, at 9, at 12, at 3, and at 5 to go to work because there was much work to be done in the vineyard. And what do we say about the vineyard? Well, that's preaching the gospel. But see, this, this work is, is suited for us. You may, not, you may not feel like you're suited for this work, but this work is suited for you. You say, well, why is that? Because you, according to your profession, have this salvation. Because you, according to your testimony, have come to Jesus with your sins, and you have told God, I know my sin is, 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 is I've sinned against you. I know my sin 
it's going to cause me punishment. I know my sin is going to separate me from you. And, Lord, I don't want to be lost. I want to be saved, and I believe you died for me, and I believe that you can save me. And if you trusted him as your Savior, then you have the testimony of salvation within you. You hear me? You, if you're saved, you have the message living within you. So that message needs to go out into the vineyard. That message needs to be carried with you. Not it, not hidden and, and tied up in a napkin up on a shelf somewhere, but carried with you so that others see it when they're around you. Others hear it when they're around you. Others can observe you and see that something in you is different than other people. That's not all we ought to have. Listen, we ought not just have an inward testimony that, that we follow the Lord and and, and it never comes out. People just say, oh, there's a nice person. What a nice person they are. They can look at you and see you're a nice person, but if they never hear of why they, that you are that person, if they never know that something has happened on the inside, then what good is it? All they see is a nice person. Listen, we're to share Christ. We're to let others know. We're to give a reason for the hope that's within us. So the work suited for us. The Lord wouldn't have called us to take his yoke upon us if the work wasn't suited for us. Let me say to you this. He provides the tools. You don't have to bring your own tool. He's given us the tool right here. This is it. Are you hearing me? God has given us everything we need. This Bible right here is his toolbox. It's got everything in it. And you know what? He'll teach us how to use it. All we got to do is turn it over to him. He provides us the power for the tools. That's the great thing about it. Listen, in my own strength, there's not much I could do. There's not much, there's not much of anything I could do for God. But in his strength, there's not anything I can't do. If God is the power behind it, there's, no, there's nothing in this universe that can stop me. And one of the greatest things about working for God, I said it earlier, well, you know, it, let's let's just say, for example, somebody went to work for Microsoft computers. You're not going to work with Bill Gates. He's the one that owns it. But if you go to work for Microsoft, you're not going to work with Bill Gates. Bill Gates is not going to take you alongside him and say, let me show you how to do all this. Bill Gates is not, he's too big and above all that. But let me tell you this, you go to work for God, God's going to work with you. God's not going to just be your supervisor. God's going to get down in the dirty trenches with you, and God's going to work with you. God's not going to just work with you. God's going to work through you. God's going to give you the power you need. God's going to give you the wisdom you need. God's going to give you the words that you need. God's going to put the compassion in your heart that you need. God is going to empower the words that come out of your mouth. God's going to reach right down into the heart of a sinner and touch them and show them that they need to be saved. The truth of it is, you don't. You're going to do very little of the work. You'll just be the hand. You, you're you're just going to be the hand that delivers the message. God's the one who wrote the message. God's the one who made the message. I said He'll work with you, but let me tell you something. It's a satisfying work. There's nothing greater in this world. Nothing greater than to see somebody 
bow their head and trust Christ as their Savior. There's nothing greater than to see God begin to blossom in the life of a young believer. There's nothing better than to know you were there, than to know God had his hand upon you, that God was steering you and guiding you and and giving you the words to say. You know that you didn't save that person, that you didn't have the power to do anything, to take them from, pass them from death unto life. You know that you didn't do it, but yet God used you. You say, could God have saved them if I wasn't there? Absolutely, he could have. God could have used somebody else just as easy as he used you. But what a privilege that he chose you to go to work in his vineyard, that God called you to go to work in his vineyard. Oh, it's a satisfying work. I tell you, it's going to be satisfying someday when we get there. It's a it's a work that will be graciously rewarded for doing. You know, the Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to just read it to you real quickly. The Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Again, God, God described a lot of building materials there. But the gold, the silver, and the precious stones, those are things that will endure. Because he says in verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest. That means every man's work will be shown for what it what it truly is. See, there's a lot of people, again, they're working furiously down here, but they're doing nothing. There's people down here who sit around wringing their hands, and they're indecisive, and they don't do a single thing. And there are other people who are so independent that they don't feel like they owe God anything. I, I really question whether or not they're even saved. There's a love that God put in me when he saved me. It's real, and I can't deny it. I love him because he loved me. I can't get away from that. I owe him because he gave his all for me. I know that I owe him. That burden weighs upon me daily that I owe him. If I don't give him everything that I ought to give him, is he going to send me to hell? Absolutely not. But I can tell you right now, it won't be his loss. It'll be mine. Because when I get there, I'll see that he ain't pleased with me. Just like those disciples with those, when they turned those children away and they turned back to him and they saw that look on his face and they knew he was upset and he was not pleased with them at all. Listen, there's some people going to stand there before the judgment seat of Christ and they're going to see that same look. I don't want to be in that company. I want to go to work in the vineyard. I want to do something for him now while the time is short because I know it's short. The Bible says there, the gold, silver, the precious stones, that the day day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire, and all the nonsense will burn up. All All of the independent work that was done on this earth that was claimed to have been done for Jesus, but yet we did it so we could get accolades, and we could get thanks, and we could get congratulations, and we could get good jobs, and all that stuff that we wanted so we could feel better about ourselves, all those things are going to burn. They're going to be gone. It's only the things that we did for him because we loved him, the things that we did because we were motivated out of love for him. Those are the only things of our lifespan that will truly remain and will carry on into heaven with us. That wood, stay in, uh, hay, and stubble, it's going to burn. It's going to be gone. It's going to be forever obliterated 
and it won't matter. And all we have is what little treasure we accumulated for the Lord Jesus. So how do we accumulate that treasure? We, when he lays it on our heart to go, we go. You say, how does he do it? He may do it this morning. He may do it even now. God knows how to speak to you. Well, let me say this to you again. The message, we've, we've, we've focused on serving God. We've focused on, on listening to the call of God. But let me just say to you this morning, there's people who came early in the morning in their youth. There's people who came all throughout the day through the Middle Ages of life. Then there are people who came in the 11th hour. God sometimes calls people on up in their later years. God calls people sometimes in their 70s. He he can even save a soul in their 80s, 90s, 100s. God can save a soul. There's no limit on what God can do. There are people there are people who got saved. I was reading I was reading Charles Spurgeon talking about it. He was talking about a man that got saved at 103 in his church. And he died three years later at 106. And they put on his tombstone that he was a babe in Christ. But he was in Christ. Let me tell you something. If that man served God for those three years, God him just like he'd served him his whole life. Because what life he had for God, he gave to him. You see, the men in this, in this, in this parable were upset because they saw the one who'd only worked for an hour got the same pay they got. He said, it wasn't really much pay, it was a penny. But understand that a penny back then was a day's labor. That was a day's wage for a Roman soldier. So that was a pretty good pay for somebody working in a vineyard. It also tells you how inflation works, but that's beside the point. And I want to say to the to the older saints that are listening to me, even if you're in the eleventh hour of life, maybe in the ninth, or the tenth, or the eleventh hour, that doesn't mean God doesn't have something for you, and that doesn't mean that God can't take you now and use you. That doesn't mean that that God, uh, you know, listen, we don't need to be idle. We don't need to just sit around and wait for him to come get us. We need to do something now. If God's calling us, God's laying on our heart to do something for him, regardless of what your age is, move now. You got got all the time from now to the rest of your your life is over to serve Jesus. Don't, Don't waste it. Don't say, well, I've already done that. No, you're still here. God's still got something for you. God's still got time on this earth for you to serve him. Give him your life. Don't be independent. Don't feel like, hey, I, this is my life and my time, and I'm going to do this. And I'm gonna... No, give it to God. You'll find more reward in just turning it over to God than you'll ever find in trying to find happiness yourself. There's some people, they, they spend their life trying to earn enough money so they can buy them an RV and drive all over the United States and look at all the sites. And they waste their life. We're going to retire and we're just going to get RV and travel. And yet they never talk to anybody about Jesus. They spent their life for this world. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. Let God have you.
He already bought you if you saved. Let him have what he bought. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to be dependent. Lord, that you'll that you'll dismantle in me the independent tendencies I have. Father, you help me remember that the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And when we try to be independent of you, that's exactly what we're doing. We're dabbling with witchcraft. Lord, it's not it's not fitting or proper for a child of God to think he can make it without you. Lord, it's a shame. I pray the Holy Ghost of God convict us about our independence about our our feeling like this is our life. Lord, help us to realize that we're living, we're to be living testimonies to the life of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the one under the sound of my voice, Lord, this morning who may not be saved. I pray, Lord, they've come, they've listened this morning, they've listened to this message. And Lord, I pray that you show them that just just like a just like a person has to be called by you, Father, into the work. They have to be called by you to the cross of Calvary. That nobody finds Jesus on their own. That this is a divine appointment. That the that Father, you've you've tracked them down. You've got them you've got them cornered up and Lord you've you've shown them that they're they're sinners in need of salvation. That they're on their way to hell and that's not your desire at all, that you want them to be born again. Lord, I pray that even now, while I'm speaking, Lord, that you'd show them that they need to come to Jesus just as they are. No hope to ever save themselves. Nothing they could ever do to make themselves right with thee. Lord, that they have to come in humbleness and repentance and coming and, and turning over and being willing to turn from sin. Lord, help us realize that we don't have the power to turn from sin, but we've got to be willing to turn from it. We have to have that desire to want to please you. We've got to have a desire to want to be forgiven, to want to be clean. And if we'll come to you with that desire, Lord, and we know it's a God-given desire, that Jesus will wash us in his blood and make us clean. Lord, help them at that point to realize that they need to get in a Bible-believing church, follow you and in believer's baptism. And, and Lord, start praying for you to show them what they're to do with their life. And, Lord, follow you. Get under some, some, some good preaching. Get around some believers who are trying to serve you with their life. Find a place where they can be a servant for you. Father, I pray for each and every one of the sound of my voice this morning. The Lord, we'd all, we'd all examine ourselves. As the Bible says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Lord, even though we're saved, Lord, some of us are not walking in the faith like we ought to. We ought to examine ourselves just to see where are we on this life walk that we're on with you, Jesus. Are we in the yoke with you? Or have we wandered off out in the desert, out in the mountains somewhere? And we think we're doing our own thing, but Lord, we're just wandering and wandering and wasting this life you've given us. Father, I pray that, Lord, wayward saints come home and lay down 
all of their weapons, lay down all of their all of their sins, all of the things that they might be doing the wrong way, Lord, just come and bring it and lay it down and turn it all over to you. Lord, just help us to magnify and honor and glorify Jesus. Help us, Lord, to realize that if we'll start today, there's reward to be had. If we'll start today, there's blessings ahead. Father, I'm thankful that you're so loving and gracious and merciful that you'll be merciful to that one that comes to you today. Lord, I pray, have your way in our life. And we thank you now. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.